If you like what you hear, let us know by becoming an official supporter of the Pop Culture Preservation Society on Patreon. This show is created, researched, produced, distributed, edited, and paid for by us, Kristen, Carolyn, and Michelle. And your support allows us to keep the lights on and keep on trucking. For the price of one or two cups of coffee a month, you can become a supporter by going to poppreservationists.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Or go to our link in bio on Instagram and find the Patreon link in our link tree. We appreciate you and thank you so much for helping us do what we love. Welcome back, everybody, to an encore presentation of one of my very favorite episodes in all 101, two, whatever. Anytime someone asks, do you guys have a favorite? What is a favorite memory? What is a favorite? This episode that you're about to hear always is in my top, I would say three. I was going to say five, but I think I would say three. And it's for so many reasons. This episode on Christy McNichol is one of the ones I was most excited to record. And the way this episode turned out, I was so proud of it. And the reason I was so proud of it was because it wasn't just us. We say this about a lot of our um, about a lot of our conversations, but it wasn't just us talking about our feelings and being giddy over how much we loved Christy McNichol. This episode is really deep, and it, it not only talks about just her her path and the trajectory that she had from starting out to where she is now, like now, mm-hmm. but it just I feel like it's filled with so much love for her, but so much respect for her. Um, and everything she's been through and everything she meant to us. And so this episode became much more and much bigger than I thought it was going to be at the outset. And that's why I love it so much. Oh, it was really good. It was so good. And I cannot believe that we will have the opportunity to share some of those things that we said about her in the episode. Mm-hmm. We will be able to share with her in person when we dine with her and sit at her table at our Teen Idol dinner party that we'll be attending March 12th in California. Can you guys believe this is happening? You guys, I'm starting to cry right now. Look, I'm starting to cry right now because this is going to be one of those people that you meet. And instead of it being like, oh, I see they're just a real person and, um, you know, hello, how are you? It's so great to meet you. And you're very respectful. This is going to be someone that I'm really kind of afraid. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to well up. I'm going to be speechless to just see her in front of me. And, um, I'm just going to start to cry. And I, that's going to really embarrass me because I don't, I don't want to be that person. And it's not like I'm going to be the one crying like, Oh my God, I loved you. I loved you. It's just going to be, I have to turn away and go to the corner of the room and take a moment because this is going to be so overwhelming for me in that moment on March 12th, because my, you know, my nine-year-old self right then is, is going to be so full in my body. And I think it's just going to be too much. Um, so I, I don't know how I'm going to react. You're going to be super manalode. Well, and that brings up a really good, um, that brings up a question that I have had. I'm having a struggle as a fangirl about how I approach this situation. Right? I've never been I've never been handed this opportunity before. And so I have to look at myself in the mirror and go, Kristen, who are you gonna be when you show up and sit down next to Christy McNichol to have dinner? Because <laughs> I have to have, like converse with her. Who am I gonna be? How do I do it? How do I do it as a fangirl? How do I do it as a regular human being? And because I don't want to freak her out. Right, right. I, I want her to like me. I want right. her to, let's just be honest. I want her to like me. Right. And so who I don't want to act cavalier like I don't 
I'm, I'm not totally right. in love with her. Right. You but don't, don't want to do Michelle's worry too, where you just sit there and cry. You don't want to stand. You don't want to be. You don't want to take it to the level where you're too standoffish. Where you, that's right. I also think, Kristen, you said, "Who am I going to be?" And I think I'm going to be someone different when I'm sitting having dinner with Kristen McNichol than I am when I'm over chatting to Greg Avigan or Wesley mm-hmm. Yurt. And I honestly think that we have to honor all those different people that we're going to be. But we also have to honor our child selves and and their their feelings and their reaction in that moment. So like I said, if I can't stop the tears from coming, I think I would just turn away and I would just maybe yeah. <laughs> pull your shit together, Michelle. Yeah. And 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 tell Christy Minical that, you know, she she meant a lot to you and she meant a lot. She was a really important part of your childhood. Mm-hmm. And how would you know, could you please pass the ranch? You know, you yeah. just <laughs> then move on. <laughs> It reminds me, this is where, this is where I am right now. It reminds me of um, something that happened to me many years ago, 25 years ago with another Carolyn friend, my friend, Carolyn Fain. I hope you're listening, Carolyn Fain, where Davy Jones was going to be making an appearance at the Viacom store. She's like, do you want to go see Davy Jones? And I was a little paralyzed. Like, do I, do I want to meet Davy Jones? Do I want to see him? And so we, this is this was our compromise because of my fear in that moment. Um, we were going to go to the Viacom store to see Davy Jones, but we were not going to participate. We weren't going to stand in line uh-huh. and get an autograph and things like that. My fear being, what will I do? Who will I be? And who will he be? Will he disappoint me? Is uh-huh. he still cute or is he an mm-hmm. old man? What I was really afraid that he wouldn't live up to what was living in my mind. And so Carolyn and I go to this Viacom store and there are hundreds of women, you know, snaking around the store and some of them holding their diaries. They oh were going to have him sign their diary entries where they talk about how okay, they're in love that's with Jones. Cute. That's, that's I feel like that's way cuter too. than signing an album. Yeah. And it made me feel I had a little bit of FOMO then. Like, am I being too fearful? Should I get in line with these women who have their diaries? And the moment came where Davy Jones comes down the elevator and we're like, oh, it's Davy Jones. <laughs> I was so in love in that moment. I got Manilode. I got yeah. Manilode because mm-hmm. he was adorable and he was wearing sort of a tunic, like a 60s style tunic, which was updated for the 90s. So it didn't look <laughs> like he was living in the past. He probably would have been in his mid 50s at the time, I'm guessing. And so he was just still within grasp of being adorable. Mm-hmm. And so we stand there, we stood there and we just observed Davy Jones. And we're like, well, what do we do now? Because we're not. We're not going to get. So we just turned around and left. But I actually think I I actually think you guys did the right thing. And um, because had you stood in line, it would have just been this quick. What's your name? You know. Oh, hey, Kristen. It's you know. He'd say it in his little accent, though. You know, it's nice to meet you. And then you know you'd move on. And then you might have been kind of like, oh, that was it. And listeners, one of the things we want to tell you about this event we're attending on March twelfth. It's in um, Yorba Linda, California. And this is unlike that experience that Kristen had. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an experience where you have five hours with these celebrities. So it's Christy McNichol, it's Jimmy McNichol, it's Christopher Atkins, Wesley Yur, Will Marshall from Land of the Lost, it's Greg Evigan, who was BJ and BJ and the Bear, and I also loved him on My Two Dads later in the 80s. And this is a cocktail party. And then if you choose to uh, to sit at their table for dinner, you get to then have that hour, you know, 
having them pass the mm-hmm. rules to you <laughs> or you right. get to see, you know, you get to talk to them and you want to tell them so bad that they do have ranch dressing dribbling down their chin, but you don't tell <laughs> Christopher Atkins. He has ranch dressing dribbling down his chin. But um, that's why this event is different because those autograph events are so impersonal. Can I just tell you, um, some of you listeners might remember this, but my story, my Davy Jones story like that was um, I met Rob Lowe like five years ago. We went to his one-man show. My husband um, surprised me with VIP tickets. So that meant that afterward, we were going to get to stand in line, get our book signed by him and get a photo with him. And I was beside myself. You guys, when everybody lined up, when they said VIP people stay in the theater, it was like 250. It was a ridiculous amount of people. So we kept getting pushed to the back. So already I'm feeling like, well, I'm not so special. By the time I got up to meet him, I was so out of my body and so beside myself. I could tell I was going to have maybe 10 seconds to say something to him. What do you say? What do you say? I decided I was going to talk about his writing and talk about how much his essays and um, the things he wrote about when his first son went to college meant to me because I had recently experienced something like that. So I thought I was going to be really clever, right? And not just say, oh, I loved you in The Outsiders. When I walked up, I had to hold my hand on my chest because my heart, I thought you could see it beating. All I could say as I walk up to him and he turns and smiles is, hi, Rob Lowe. That's it. <laughs> That's it, you guys. The end. And then I was done. And then it was just like they usher me off. He signed my book. They ushered me off. And so it's like a I, Christmas story with Santa kicking the kid off his lap. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Christmas down the slide. I almost wish I hadn't have had that that experience because I left sort of like, oh, I said the wrong thing, and he didn't. How come he didn't want to talk to me for 15 minutes? This event on March 12th is different than that. We are going to yeah. get, because it's also capped at like, you know, 60, 65, 70 people. So that's right. You know, this is not you, hundreds of people standing in no, line. No, right? you are going like, to be special. They're going to remember us. Yeah. They're going to, they Christy and Jimmy are going to go back to Colorado and be, you know, sipping some whatever hot chocolate by the fire. And I was going to say gonna Fanta. Say, that Carolyn, you remember Carolyn? She wasn't she a doll? Oh, and then <laughs> right. text Carolyn right yeah. now. Yeah, that's right. But what will happen is that we are going to get a chance at this event to have good one-on-one time with them, and so will you if you attend. So we um, we have a discount code for you. It's going to be in our weekly reader newsletter every Friday from for the next few weeks, and you can subscribe to our weekly reader by going on our website at poppreservationists.com or we have a link tree link in our Instagram bio. Suffice it to say, Kristen Knickel is forever our OG girl crush. Thanks for listening and enjoy this encore of episode 21. Um, Buddy does come to her senses and gets back in the car and says, screw you, Leif Garrett. You can have Lisa Welchel instead. Um, but then he comes to her birthday party not where really she... really screw you. Like, oh, yes. But... <laughs> not screw you. We know what you... Yeah. Right. I'm not, not going to screw, screw you, you, Leif Garrett. <laughs> Unscrew you. <laughs> Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love in this what. We bring it. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who learned how to alphabetize and use guide words so they could find their crushes phone number in the white pages. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. 
and today we will be saving the person who gave us the term girl crush, Christy McNichol. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. All right, you guys, if Barry Manilow was performing the soundtrack to my youth, then Christy McNichol was in the starring role. She defined girl crush for me. I didn't want to be her. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to be her best friend and go on bike rides together, tell her my secrets, crank call her crushes, just hanging out together and preferably at her house since I had that huge crush on her brother, Jimmy. And we'd be wearing our matching rugby shirts and reading Judy Bloom books. And our friendship would evolve as we got older. We'd talk about makeup, and she'd show me how to achieve that perfect feathered hairstyle. We would support each other through breakups and losing our virginity. Then, of course, how convenient would it be when my best friend became my sister-in-law, when I became (laughs) Mrs. James McNichol. Don't you guys love her like I do? I do. I'm not Mm -hmm. kidding. Just hearing you talk about her, Carolyn, I have goosebumps up the back of my neck because that's what Christy McNichol does to me. Yeah. And I didn't really know that until we started talking about her. I didn't until I started watching things and still I until I started listening to you guys talk about her again. I started to time travel a little bit more and realize what a big role she played. Did you feel oh, like gosh. that about her? Like like when Carolyn says I didn't want to be her, I wanted to be with her. I I feel the same way. I couldn't look away from her. She was like, I couldn't look away. She was magnetic, but mm-hmm. also you guys, she gave me like a funny feeling in my tummy. And listen, I'm I'm heterosexual and she gave me a funny feeling in my stomach. So now everybody crush. listening is yeah. like, mm, are you really then? <laughs> no, but she did in a really good way. And it almost it's like a, I get a lump in my throat when I see when I watch old episodes of family or I see pictures of her at about age 15, 16. Um I don't know. I can't put it into words. What I think it that's is longing. About I think that lump in your throat is longing. Whether you're longing to be with her like Carolyn or whether you're longing to be her, I think I was a combination of those things. I really did. I couldn't look away. I liked looking at her. Her hair was a wonder to me. And I think part of that was because she looked so unlike me. She was a completely different color palette. I could never have those big brown eyes. I could never have hair that feathered like that. And yet, I also aspired to be her. I really did want to be her because she was so different from um, a lot of the other girls that were kind of packaged for us. She had this masculine style and she was very quietly bold. She She, wasn't out there kicking ass at all. And so I did want to be her. But I wanted to be your best friend, too. She was very self-assured, though. And I mean, and maybe those mm-hmm. were just all the roles. But even when you would see her in interviews and see her on Battle of the Network Stars or things, she just seemed to have this air about her that um, of like self-confidence and, you know, self-assuredness. And it was weird. You guys know enough about me now and our listeners know enough about me now to know that, you know, you'd think I would be more attracted to wanting to gravitate toward the Tatum O'Neill type character and little darlings, you know, the kind of girly, mm-hmm. you know, um, with her hair curled and the makeup and everything. But it was the opposite. It was Christy McNichol. That's, that is a wonder to me. 
I've said wonder to me twice in this podcast, but that is interesting to me <laughs> because you are the one that had the girly styles and you mm-hmm. liked the makeup and the hair and you liked the pretty one. So what does that say about Christy McNichol herself? And I, we can talk about that more later on, but I think it speaks a lot about your heart and not necessarily what's the, what the package provides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So how did she, how did, how did she even begin? How did she end up in front of the camera in the first place? So she, Christy was born on September 11th, 1962. And when she was born, she already had an older brother who was 14 months older than she was. Um, That would be Jimmy. And then she has a younger brother comes along named Tommy. But mom and dad get divorced when Christy is three. And mom, and her mom's name is Carol Lynn. And her mom sends Tommy, little Tommy, to live with grandma because she can only afford to keep two kids with her. Oh my goodness. So she keeps Christy and Jimmy with her and Tommy's with grandma. I know Tommy lost out on being a teen idol, didn't he? That's a, that's a little trauma right there for little Tommy. Yeah. And we don't hear a lot about little Tommy, do we? Yeah. I couldn't find much about him. Uh, Mom, Carolyn is a secretary at the William Morris agency because she's an aspiring actress. So she starts taking Christy and Jimmy on auditions with her. And the casting directors became more interested in Christy. So Carolyn starts putting Christy in commercials. And she's quickly in over 50 commercials, everything oh from Hostess to McDonald's. So Carolyn realizes she can parlay Christy and Jimmy's talent and love of acting into financial security and gives up acting herself to become their full-time momager. Oh, Yikes. hello. Mm-hmm. Oh, and these commercials are so funny because when she's tiny like that and you see her in the McDonald's commercial, she is 100% of the time unkempt. Like, I wanted somebody to comb <laughs> her, her hair. <laughs> but, yeah, somebody please brush the girl's hair or cut it into an actual hairstyle. I don't know. But still, there was this adorableness about her or uh, some sort of magneticism about her. Did I make up that word? Magneticism? I love it. You, it's, um, it's okay. Okay. You do it all the <laughs> time. And you know what? It's so great. some for some reason, they were casting this unkempt girl over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So she had something. So it's not just us. She's got this us. magnetism, mm-hmm. not just to oh, there it to is. us, to the, cast, <laughs> to the casting agents too, though, right? She's mm-hmm. this little kind of, you know, pipsqueak, tomboy looking ragamuffin, and they're casting her over and over again. Anyway, Even so after- without so, the combed hair. Right. Yeah. So, and then, you know, things, <laughs> things snowball from there. Yeah, they really do. We see her for the first time um, in a role- in the classic 1970s show, Love American Style. And love she, American um, that show. God, I love that show. More than the red, white, and blue. And blue. Ooh, 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 ooh. Love God, I love yes. that. I loved that show. And I felt kind of a little, um, naughty. Always a little sneaky totally when I watched naughty. it. Naughty. Yes. Mm-hmm. T- yes. Naughty. And, um, in that particular episode, she played opposite Burt Convy. Isn't that such a 70s <laughs> classic Love American Style the- dude? Flashback, yes. Mm-hmm. So, 1973, her first um, television appearance um, on a show. And then she, in 1974, was in a one-season hit, because it, it's a hit in my book, even though it was only on one it season, mm-hmm. called Apple's Way. This is only remember? only four people have heard of this show before, and two of them are in this room. <laughs> no, I haven't. Mm-hmm. But I wish we could. I wish I could watch it. I, I watched. You can way. watch the um, the opening sequence, and I was able to find it, and I started to cry. 
I, start, I totally started to cry because we haven't seen Apple's Way really since 1975. And right. for those of you who have never heard of this show, Apple's Way is about a family who moved from Los Angeles to Iowa to live in a house with a water wheel. That's all I cared about. Um, and Apple's Way, this was, this might only be interesting to Carolyn and me, but it was a show that was created by Earl Hamner, who is the creator of the Waltons, and they created it in order to capitalize on the success of the Waltons. They're like, do another one, do another one. So it's like, you know, family show in a rural area. Apple's Way was a failure. Nobody watched it except for Carolyn and me and two other people. Um, oh, my friend Colleen, because she lived Colleen. in Iowa at the time. So everybody in Iowa knew about Apple's Way. And then Carolyn and me knew and about it. And it did get a lunchbox, as we know. because And I found we... a lunchbox on eBay. I found an Apple's Way lunchbox. And we'll do, a, we'll do a post with it. Since they knew Christy had something about her, that magnetism that um, Kristen talked about, she became um had some recurring guest role parts mm -hmm. in two of my all-time favorite shows one being the bionic woman i wanted to be the bionic woman i wanted to be jamie summers and live in oh hi california so <laughs> christy mcnichol when she was on there i of course recognized her because i was one of apple's ways number one fan um so she was on there a few times and then also on my other favorite show starsky and hutch she had a um, not recurring. She had I think she was on there three times, and it was mm -hmm. three different roles that she played. So Do you guys know. We just, can I say something to our? Oh, listeners? did I get that wrong? Carol, no, you got it exactly right. Okay. I just want. I just have a fun fact about Carolyn. Carolyn actually owned Starsky and Hutch socks. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I think that's, that's a, a really fan. fun fact. That's a super fan. You're this yes. little girl who owns Starsky and Hutch socks. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure I've told you when my mom let me stay home from Saturday Night Mass and dinner at Red Lobster so I could watch <laughs> the second part of A Starsky and Hutch. Uh, to be continued. That was a two-parter. Uh -huh. You know, back then, if you missed it, you missed it's it. It's over. Yeah, you well, don't get to find out what happened to the drug She was dealer. also guest starring on, she was guest starring on a lot of things um, at the time. And one of guest starring on one of my very favorite shows, The Love Boat, and then a very memorable episode where she actually gets her on-screen, her first on-screen kiss, and it's with Scott Bayo. So you can imagine my excitement. And also, I was very conflicted watching Christine McNichol kiss my crush, Scott Bayo. It was a very weird, surreal moment for me. But That's a weird, weird moment. That episode is amazing. And you can watch old episodes of Love Boat on Paramount Plus, and I made sure and I zeroed right in on that one. And again, <laughs> I get a really weird kind of lump throat choked up feeling when I watch it. So she was in two after school specials. The first one was called Me and Dad's New Wife, where Christy McNichols stars as a girl on her first day of junior high. And the big news is that Christy McNichols' dad has just gotten remarried. And everybody's like, oh, do you like her? Do you like his new wife? And she's like, I don't know. I've never met her. And right away, I'm like, ah, oh, dad, be better. Um, yeah, that was weird. That is really yeah. weird. And then she goes to her very first class of junior high and the teacher writes her name on the board and it's Christy McNichol's name because her new teacher is her dad's new wife. And um, and this is a star-studded cast. Oh, this my gosh. This has um, Leif Garrett stars yes. as her new half-brother, Roger. Who she's Roger, never met. Who she's never met. She meets him at school, of course, like you do. And then the ringleader at school is Lance Kerwin. It's like all of the, the stars of the day in miniature. They're all, mm -hmm. you know, little Lance yeah. Kerwin and little Leif Garrett. Jimmy, and little Jimmy is McNichol. in there, too. And this episode, this was really good. Um, it ends with a seance, which is just so 1976. <laughs> I can hardly even stand it. So I was all in on the seance. 
but she's really tiny and she's ever so earnest and she's just really good in this episode. Mm -hmm. You can see where people were like, oh, this girl's got some chops and people are responding to her. And I really believed that she was a little girl with a shitty dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then very quickly after that, I know that Aaron Spelling and Leonard Goldberg, um, they had produced Starsky and Hutch and Charlie's Angels, and they decide, you know what is missing right now, you know, from, you know, the TV lineup is just a regular an ordinary TV show about a family and the trials and tribulations they go through. So they created this show Family. This is where the magic begins, right? Yes, and this is where Christy McNichol starts to explode. Well, and Leonard Goldberg, she was already on his radar. Like he had seen her and things. So he knew right away that he wanted to cast Christy McNichol. Um, I always wondered, did I want to be Christy McNichol or did I want to be Buddy Lawrence? I'm not exactly Mm. sure. Oh, oh, it was Christy McNichol for me because okay. it was, I loved Buddy Lawrence, but I loved Christy McNichol on Battle of the Network Stars. I loved Christy McNichol mm-hmm. on The Love Boat. I loved Christy McNichol on Starsky and Hutch. I loved Christy McNichol in my Tiger Beat magazine. I loved her on an interview. I couldn't get enough of Christy McNichol. Okay, can we talk about Battle of the Network Stars for just a minute? Because <sighs> Can we do a whole episode on Battle of the yeah, Network Yeah, because it is a perfect show. You take uh-huh. celebrities and you make them play games and compete against each other in athletic outfits provided by Adidas. And it is, I am, I'm there sitting in front of the TV. I'm not even going to get up to go to the bathroom. Um, so I, I found one in which um, Christy McNichol was competing against Mary Ellen from the Waltons on the <laughs> obstacle course. And Christy McNichol killed. She owned the obstacle course. She set a course record. And now we're ready for the start of the race. Judy Norton Taylor right before you. The far side, Christy McNichol. They're off. Christy McNichol with a quick early lead. Navigating the tires perfectly. Judy Norton Taylor falling behind. Now the monkey bars. Did Christy clutch that last rung? Our view obscured by Ed Asda. But Christy McNichol off by her Christy McNichol, again with an apparently quick and easy victory. Over and she, over and she, over again. She was and very athletic. She was very athletic, yes. but then she got DQ'd because she missed the last <laughs> rung of the monkey bars. No. And what? Ed Asner slash Lou Grant pitched this very scripted fit. He was the um he was their team he, captain. Was the coach, yeah. No, he was he, the CB, yeah, the CBS team. Yeah, captain. and so he came over and pitched a fit like he was um, you know, a hockey coach or something like that. And you could tell he was like looking at his notes, like pitch fit now. Okay. Go over there, super mad just because she didn't grab the last rung of the monkey monkey bars um but i I was yelling at the tv at the same time like lou grant get out of there she did too you're fat and bald christy mcnichol i was i'm sure i was irate she kicked everyone's ass she is the obstacle course queen Mm -hmm. she was so good and i do want to know though what mom mcnichol did when jimmy competed for team CBS when he was on a show called the Fitzpatrick's or California fever. And she and Christy was on team ABC. Mm-hmm. Like did mom, oh, who family was mom conflict. cheering for? Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. That Christy. Was hard. Let's go back to family. Cause that really is where she started to explode. And there are um, a couple of episodes that really stand out for people. And the f- number one 
episode is probably the one called All for Love, which is where Buddy Lawrence and Leif Garrett are dating. And um, little Buddy is growing up and Leif Garrett has needs. And he is saying, (laughs) really, Buddy, it's time for you to satisfy my needs. And if you don't, then I'm going to cheat on you with Blair from Facts of Life. (laughs) And they never once say sex in the episode. They just say, you know, and Mm -hmm. lots of I have needs. I'm like, serious? Are we are we going with I have needs? 15. It was really gross, you guys. But then at the end, they decide teen sex can wait, and then they disco dance. I want to remind you all that Leif Garrett was not her first boyfriend on the show. Her yes, first boyfriend correct. Oh, right, right, was right. T.J. Latimer, played by <laughs> my other love of my life, which would be Willie Ames. And when he asked her to go steady, he gave her a little ID, his ID bracelet that had his name <gasps> oh, on it. remember TJ ID, yes. Mm-hmm. when that was a thing. Yeah. I don't think so I ever got sure. one, but. That's very cute. I had one, but I bought it for myself. And I oh, just yeah, you never Kristen. wore it, guys. No. <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't. Just, it's a Kristen never. on it. Yeah, I, I have, bought it for myself and, you know. I have one yeah. here somewhere in a box in my closet, in a box of keepsakes that still has my name stamped on it. Okay, so eventually um, Buddy and, and Leif Garrett have to have to break up. And they were kind of like a publication ship a little bit. People were mm-hmm. starting to put them together in real life. People with, um, had reported seeing them at parties. I'm taking this. My source is um, the March 1979 issue of Dynamite magazine. <laughs> And Christy McNichol and Leif Garrett it's are on very the front. Reputable. Like they're they're reclining in the grass, kind of cozied up into each other. And what they say in Dynamite magazine <laughs> is that they had to break up because what was happening was Christy McNichol was becoming the star of Family, and they were realizing that in order for there to be more episodes about Buddy, they needed to have more opportunities for her to have more relationships. It mm-hmm. couldn't just be Leif Garrett all the time. So that, and it's so funny. They're like, this is how they say it in, um, in dynamite speak. They say, um, this means more viewers, higher ratings, more money from commercials. And that's show business. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're teaching us a little lesson, (laughs) but they also talk about how people assumed that they were a couple in real life. And um, Christy McNichol says, there is absolutely nothing between us. Sure, I consider Leif a friend, but I have lots of friends. That's a pretty definite statement. You'd think it would be enough to stop the rumors. But people are strange. They want to believe that things are the way they appear on TV. They expect Henry Winkler to grease his hair and say, hey. (laughs) They half believe that Robin Williams sits on his head. And above all, they want to believe that the friendships and relationships they see on TV continue in real life. Sometimes they do. The sweat hogs, for example. Where they really are good friends off the set. <laughs> what? Well, okay, but you said it was a publationship. They did yeah. that with Christy McNichol. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. But they did that with Scott, with her and Scott Bayo too. Sure. However, I was watching mm-hmm. um, a really great documentary on Christy McNichol. You can find it on YouTube. I think it's just uh, through the biography, I don't mm-hmm. know, channel or something. And someone is asking her a question like at a party, like a, you know, a, an interviewer. And they say, so Christy, do you have boyfriends? And she goes, yeah, I have a lot. And they go, Ooh. oh, wow, a lot. And she goes, well, no, I don't mean a lot, but yeah, I've, I've got a couple. And they go, oh, well, a couple. Wow. She goes, yeah, I mean, I don't really like to get tied down to one person and like, you know, and it's, it's really not fair because I'm so busy all the time. I don't want to really string anyone along. And I was wondering <laughs> if she was talking about Scott Bayo and Leif Garrett. Mm-hmm. Who she oh, really well. wasn't into because that's really? not. That's not her team. Right. And how sad. We'll talk about that, too. But yeah. how sad mm-hmm. that she could never be honest. She could uh, never. No, because that would ruin no. all the stories in Tiger Bay. Yeah. I do need to bring up 
One of my favorite made-for-TV movies of all time. Carolyn, oh. this is my Champions of Love Story. Champions of Love Story is Carolyn's favorite made-for-TV movie. My favorite made-for-TV movie is Summer of My German Soldier, starring Christy McNichol and Esther Rolfe, who is Florida, on Good Times. Um, and so it's funny that your favorite made-for-TV movie is starring Jimmy McNichol. My mm-hmm. favorite made-for-TV movie is starring Christy McNichol. So Summer of My German Soldier was based on a young adult novel by Betty Green, which is about a Jewish girl during World War II who finds a Nazi prisoner hiding in her barn, a very cute escaped Nazi prisoner. <laughs> and course. so, of course, they fall in love. <laughs> It's like the most extreme example of forbidden love you can possibly have a young Jewish girl and an escaped Nazi prisoner. It's a good story. Oh, that's it's a, that's a, a good, good story. Yeah. The torment was yes. palpable. I loved this movie so much. I was obsessed with the book and mm-hmm. I watched it again last night and she's really good. She's really good. She made me believe this. And Esther Roll won. Um, won an Emmy for her role in this movie. Hmm. Wow. Well, speaking of Emmys, uh, in 1977, on Christy McNichol's 15th birthday, so on September 11th, 1977, Christy won the Emmy for Best Supporting Actress for Family. And she beat out some really big names. Now I'm going to, of course, forget who they were. But, you know, she's a 15-year-old girl, you guys. And winning Best Supporting Actress was She beat out Helen Corby. Is it Helen or Ellen? I always get I that think it's wrong. Helen. I don't remember. I think Helen, it's Helen Corby. There's um, one that from was the really Waltons. Awesome. Yes, Helen yeah. Corby, Grandma Walton, and I forget who else she beat out. It was someone else, really. Yeah, it was like a known name. Recognize. Anyway, yeah. if you get a chance, go on YouTube and type in Christy McNichol, 1977 Emmy acceptance speech. It's adorable. She's it overcome. Adorable. She just buries yeah. her face in her hands, and uh, they they do shots uh, into the audience of her brother and of the family cast, and it's darling. So, but after she won that in 1977, she quickly became the it girl way more than she had been Mm -hmm. before. And she was not only then recognized for being a respected dramatic actress, but she became a teen idol instantly. I mean, overnight she was on the covers and in the pages of the teen magazines every single month. Mm -hmm. And, uh, on the, by, uh, the documentary I was watching Someone said, Christy wasn't a teen idol because she was a sex symbol. She was a teen idol because she was so real. And I think that's one thing we've talked about a lot is that that's exactly Mm -hmm. what it is because she was cute, but she was not out of reach. Mm -hmm. She was like, instead of being a movie star, she was like the cool girl in your class who was nice to everybody. Mm -hmm. So you, and you could be her. It was possible that you could become her because she was. She was reachable. Yeah, she wasn't glamorous. You know, you were just talking glamorous. about the, the yeah. Blair, the Lisa Welchel, oh, yeah. who, uh, you know, you love Lisa Welchel, or I loved Lisa Welchel on Facts of Life, but she was the, she was the hot rollered hair and the yeah. very, almost too much. Like, I could never aspire to look like that. Right. Christian McNichol, someone we can all almost relate to. We really can relate oh, yeah. to her. And every, uh, every role that she played, she was about growing up, essentially. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. She played us. Whether she was writing to Fonzie and Donny Osmond on family or there, she has worries <laughs> that she'll never grow. I'm putting quotation marks mm-hmm. around there because I'm talking about her boobies. She, um, <laughs> she wants to go to the dance with Willie Ames, but mm-hmm. then she's supposed to have a sleepover with her best friend, Audrey. Like all of this stuff is stuff that we are doing. Exactly. And when she's on the screen, she's showing us our own lives on the screen in a really cute brown eyed mm-hmm. package. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it mirrored my life, I think, in terms of yeah. the, uh, the issue she was facing on those shows. I was dealing with those at the same time. And some of them were a little bit difficult to maybe talk about to mom with. And so I learned a lot from her yeah. roles on yeah. family. And I loved her for all of that. And mm-hmm. I think they knew that I girls my age loved her for that. And so then next thing you know, she is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, she is on mm-hmm. the Donnie and Marie show. She's on the Carpenter's Christmas special. She's mm-hmm. on, obviously, Battle of the Network Stars. I think Jimmy and Christy had their own variety show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. One of my yeah. uh, favorite pictures I showed you guys a, a few days ago, it was the magic of ABC or something. And it was D- David Copperfield and Sean Cassidy, Parker Stevenson, and Christy McNichol all together <laughs> doing some magic trick. And th- those days when those all those people would be together that I loved on those variety shows, oh, my gosh. That's yeah, a ratings bonanza for Carolyn. Oh, my gosh. Right? Carolyn is there. Was. Yeah. <laughs> and you even had all the albums, right? Well, I think there's only one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very fabricated that was yeah. very they made them <sighs> don't i know we'll talk about that time, in a little bit but yeah yeah they, it was they, my life but you loved but, it yeah you loved it nonetheless you lived and died for that album he's so fine oh yeah gonna be mine oh yeah Soon between 1978 and 1982 she explodes on the movie screen then so she's mm-hmm. been on our tv screens everywhere but between 1978 and 1982, Christy was in 11 movies, both on screen and on made and made for okay. TV Poor movies. Girl. That's a lot. Um, I know that is And a lot. I think probably, let's talk for a minute. I mean, the probably most notably for all of us and for all of everyone listening is Little Darlings, uh, which was in mm-hmm. 1980. So in 1980, Christy was 18 years old. She's playing opposite Tatum O'Neill. And as we all know, it is, you know, but the she's age-old not playing question. An, she's not playing an 18-year-old. No, she's, she's playing, playing a 15-year-old. 15-year-old okay. girl. Age-old question, um, age-old um, contest, I should mm-hmm. say, <laughs> who can lose their virginity first at summer camp? Yeah. So <laughs> and, fun with that. Christy's playing, a, you know, kind of typecast. She's kind of the tough girl. You know, she starts out the movie. She's smoking the cigarette. You can tell mom doesn't really care. Mom picks her up. Um uh, probably still in the clothes she was in from the day before when she went on the date, you know, all the <laughs> cleavage showing. And then there's Tatum O'Neill, who plays Ferris, who's the rich girl, daddy's little girl, who's coming with some problems of her own, but we don't know. And for some reason, immediately, there's all this this ragtag team of campers who all look like they're about 13 years old. Somehow they all convince Christy or Angel and Ferris that they've all had sex and zero in on Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill and say, well, you guys are virgins. And so I know what we're going to do. We're going to see which one of you can have be the first one to lose your virginity. I watched it the other night. You guys, it's horrible. It's one of those movies that I loved. I couldn't have loved more. I couldn't have watched it in 1980. I would have been way too young, but definitely watched it on VHS. And I mean, and much earlier than I probably was supposed to, but it's, I wish I would have just left it in my memory because it's really, really bad to watch now. Also, there's the pedophile angle that is in so many 70s (sighs) movies that we love that we're just Armand DeSante. Okay, can we, Uh, let me just go back to Summer of My German Soldier. This is a theme in so many of our episodes. In Summer of My German Soldier, she's supposed to be 12 years old. And that makes her German soldier, what, at least 18, 
if oh. not older. Yeah. It's very sweet and it's a very moving movie. But at the same time, I was like, please don't touch her. Please don't touch her. Please don't touch her. Yeah. And, and we, we just, just accepted it. We, it was believable. And mm-hmm. um, when I, I did see Little Darlings at the movie theater, I was 15. So it was 1980. And of course it was rated R. And my mom and my best friend's mom thought oh, we'll be the cool moms and we'll take our daughters to see Little Darlings oh, no. together. That's horrifying. <laughs> Um, but I cannot believe one that she took me based on the fact that I yeah. wasn't allowed to watch, you know, soap or Three's Company or any of those shows. But here I was. That's shocking because I mean, Tell when me they don't it. they just say like when you ask what is the movie about? It's about two girls in a contest to see who can lose their virginity the fastest. And your Absolutely. mom's like, okay, no Three's Company for you, but <laughs> let's go see this movie about losing your virginity. At about camp. two fifteen-year-old girls. Yeah. Also, wasn't it shockingly horribly written? Like oh, the lines, yeah. the dialogues were horrible. However, what I will say, since this is an episode about Christy McNichol, I will say I was very impressed with a couple of things um, with her performance in Little Darlings. One, uh, it's she's very real, like we've talked about, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they did do a good job writing for her character. When she takes Matt Dell into the boathouse and she's like, I'm going to win this contest. Let's go. We're going to have sex. We're going <laughs> to... She freezes up. He goes to unbutton, oh, her, unbutton her little shirt and she doesn't want that. And you guys, she's so good. She's the crying and you can tell all the emotions in her and she doesn't know what to do and she hasn't had a mom to tell her anything about how she's supposed to act. And she um, basically tells him that she's not ready. Well, then he freaks out and calls her a tease and everything. And he doesn't wasn't attracted to her anyway. And then she cries Dick. really hard. And she was just really believable to me. I mean, of course, then mm-hmm. two nights later, she um, goes and gives him about nine beers to get him so drunk that um, he'll be turned on. <laughs> she can do oh it God. again. That, it's I awful. Mean, that, but see, this is awful. That whole she says, scene that you just described in in the era in which we are in 2021, that scene that you just described is actually kind of triggering. Like, I don't even really no, want to. Yeah. I don't even really want to talk about that. And to make it even worse for her, there's a scene at the very beginning. They're all in this really dirty. Um, there's a lot of dirty gas station bathrooms in this movie. Yeah, and in the first one, yeah, but in the first one they stop so they can oh, use okay. the restroom, and all the girls are in there bullying. Ferris and Angel. And one of the things they say over and over again to Angel, Krista McNichol, is you're you you're probably a lesby. I bet you're a lesbian. I bet oh. like you want to touch the titties instead of the boys touch your titties. Oh, and they keep going. Believe. And I was heartbroken thinking, she's 18 at the time. I'm sure she already knows she that, had, you know, she that she's a lesbian sure. and she can't be herself, but then they're feeding her lines like this that she has to say where it was, it was a very negative connotation. That's the so way that horrible. they're saying it. That's and it broke horrible. my heart for her. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nonetheless, despite, despite this horrible content that we've just <laughs> talked about, <laughs> this movie was huge and it catapulted her even further. And she was still that, that it girl. She was still the girl that we wanted to be. But it sounds to me, Carolyn, by your research, that maybe this was by design. That the yeah. industry made sure that this was going, that she was going to be the girl that we wanted to be. So they really had a um, just purposeful design in how they used her. It's like she was a product to yeah. be fed to us. And it was really sad when I started to think of it that way. Because I was eating it up, I was falling I was for yeah. everything they were um, mm-hmm. they were feeding us. But it was very much almost using her, which I thought was really kind of sad. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they man- they manipulated her and they manipulated us at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, by well, showing us someone exactly that she really true. wasn't and she couldn't be her true self either. And it was also sad at the same time, you know, her, she's so successful and she's making, you know, so much money. And her mom, a juror, is <laughs> continuing to negotiate her salary up and up and up. So at family, she was starting, she was making $7,500 an episode and her mom negotiated her up to $15,000 an episode and it made her one of the highest paid actresses on TV at the time, you know, she's about 16 years old. And so Leonard Goldberg, the, the man who was the creator of family that one of the producers with Aaron Spelling uh, said in the documentary that he remembers calling Christy because he was like, Christy, we need to talk about this. I mean, it was getting out of hand. Christy, we need to talk about this. And he could hear adults shouting in the background, ask for more money, ask for more money. And then he said, Christy said quietly, can we talk tomorrow, please? And she was oh. 15 years old at the time, he said. Like you and I are just going to the Dairy Queen for a blizzard. And mm-hmm. she's having and to right. you guys, negotiate that's actually, thousands of dollars. And it's actually why they hired Quinn Cummings uh, on, 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 family. on Family. Because Christy was so, so in demand that they kept expecting her to leave anytime. Oh, really? She and was she did back it. up. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that because it didn't feel mm-hmm. like jumping the shark. It didn't feel like the end of the series where they bring somebody in to spice it up. Mm-hmm. Buddy was plenty of spice. Nobody was aging out. She still had two more years of high school. So I always wondered why, because they adopted Annie, correct? Quinn right. Cummings' mm-hmm. name on the show was Annie. That pressure along with all the other pressures that we've just been talking about mm-hmm. to be the teen idol, to be the it girl, to be to to be the one with the boyfriend and not mm-hmm. is is too much. It is. It's too much. When really you should be just going to get your blizzard. Really? Exactly. <laughs> that's right. all you can manage. Right. Oh, oh yeah. that's too bad. And so then in order to get past that point, there let's call let's call little darlings the nader, right? So that's just on the heels of family and she's at the height of her fame. And this mm-hmm. is where um things just start to go downhill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the two. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, mm-hmm. yeah. the roles that she's getting are not blockbusters the way they had been previously. No, the movies are tanking. She's mm-hmm. in 1982. She is in a movie called The Pirate Movie, which sent with Christopher Atkins, who is on the heels of Blue Lagoon. So we've got we've got you know two headliners, right? And mm-hmm. and how can you mm-hmm. think at the time, Christopher Atkins and Christy McNichol? Come oh, on, gonna, this is going to be the this is going right. to be the movie. It's called The Pirate Movie. It was the most, I don't know if still to this day, but at the time it was, the, I'm sure, I'm sure not anymore, but at the time, the most expensive movie to shoot, it was shot in Australia. I did not know and that. And it's critically panned. Some say it's the worst movie of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it got many Razzies. Including Lots Christian McNichols. She got a Razzie, uh-huh. right? She did for Best Actress, yes. Or Worst Actress. <laughs> well, did or, sorry. Guys, yeah. <laughs> yes. When definitely. you saw the, like, the, um, the movie poster for that, I just never believed her in that I did role. not she either just looked yeah. almost uncomfortable with yes. her hair like that mm-hmm. and I think even before seeing it I was already like I, I didn't see it actually so I didn't either just well, that, for that reason that brings up a really good point Carolyn because now she's growing up and they're trying to they're trying to translate her from buddy into mm-hmm. um a leading lady Right. And when you're a leading lady, what do you do? You have romances with Christopher Atkins. I think I have extremely good gaydar and I have a good history of seeing people on screen 
kissing the opposite sex and I'm just, I'm so uncomfortable and I don't know why I'm uncomfortable. And then years later, it's revealed that they're actually gay. I think this is one reason we were not comfortable with the pirate movie and all of these love stories that came out next is that there was, I did not enjoy watching the grown up Christy McNichol kissing, I guess, men. I guess and I you could chalk that up to chemistry cheap? or what, but I was just like, this is something's wrong here and I don't like it. Right. I think I, it's I because think Carolyn, could, I was going to say Carolyn yeah. has, has the right word earlier. You said looking at the movie poster, did you say you, it made you uncomfortable or she looked uncomfortable? I think you said she looked uncomfortable and well, I think she did. And it made me uncomfortable. Just and the I think whole thing just yeah. didn't vibe. But that's the word because yeah. she was by then. Now it's 1982. So, you know, she's 20 years old. And she is uncomfortable in this yeah. skin. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's being reflected in her acting, maybe. Um, and she's still going on interviews. And, you know, she's talking up the pirate movie. And she's talking up um, 1984. Uh, she gets to star in a movie called Just the Way You Are. And that's the movie that she had to quit. She really? quit it. She quit it, uh, quit filming because she starts complaining about... Uh, her friends said she started complaining about terrible headaches and she just kept saying she felt like there was blood in her head, blood in her brain and nothing was right. And she was very worried that she was having like a blood clot or an aneurysm or so she quit the movie, which was very unlike her. She was a very mm-hmm. hard worker and she went to the hospital. They did a uh, CAT scan. Everything was perfectly fine with her brain, but then she was diagnosed uh, with bipolar disorder and they because of the that word, of because of that incident and the, those testing and that hospital stay and all that kind of stuff the, did the bipolar that's where diagnosis they, that's, came out of that that's where they did the diagnosis okay. right now if you have bipolar disorder you you know you have it there's something that's going to set it off mm-hmm. there's something there's an event that's going to manifest um and that's when the bipolar disorder is going to show itself mm-hmm. basically so um it doesn't mean she just got bipolar disorder um this was her understand onset, bipolar disorder triggered it's, by it's, an it's this was her onset yeah. right and and so th- what i think is interesting though is that the word on the street was that she quit because she had a chemical imbalance which then everybody all the magazines mm-hmm. and um all the press she was a drug addict then, obviously, right? She's right. Um, she's a drug addict. Now, at the same time, she's also being rumored to – she was friends with, uh, interestingly enough, Liberace's, like, niece or someone. Yeah. I don't, someone connected to Liberace, mm-hmm. you know, around her same niece. age. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if they were maybe roommates or something or just good friends. Mm-hmm. And then the rumor is that they're lovers. And okay. so now there's starting to be rumors that Christian Nichols gay, which, you know, a lot of people in the, the early 1980s, that was a negative. Yeah. Oh, that right? was bad press. That, so that was something yes. that, yeah. and that was something as being Christy McNichol, you wanted to refute yeah. instead of embrace. And she was, gosh, you guys think about everything she's got going for her now. Everything we've just said. Mm-hmm. Now you add a new diagnosis she's trying to manage oh and God. she's trying to figure out. And you add, and with bipolar, you know, you're depressed, but then it's not just depression. And then you have manic times. And she said, you know, she will, she was said in an interview, I think it was Jane Polly asked her, um, if there was something about yourself you could change, what would it be? And she thought for a really long time, and this was, I think, before she was diagnosed. Okay. And she said, you know, sometimes I'm just really hyper. Like, I'm a very energetic person. And sometimes oh, I'm just, wow. it's like too much. Sometimes, and you know, those are her manic times. And, and she didn't So know. thankfully, oh, she yeah. took a year okay. and she got meds. She got on the right meds. And um, I think at the time, they were giving people with bipolar lithium. Yeah, that was lithium um, times. Mm-hmm. But she 
it helped her, okay. whatever they gave her. And Jimmy stayed with her for a year, which is like the sweetest thing. And um, she went back to the movie a year after. The same movie. To finish it. Yep. Because okay. she mm-hmm. said, I'm going to finish what I started. Okay. And she it went back It was very close to it. being finished. Okay. So, I mean, think yeah. about, this is very interesting. So the reason that we all love Christy McNichol and why she was our girl crush is because of her authenticity. And she was able to use her acting skills to show the realness of herself. And then as she gets older and she's being asked to be Christopher Atkins' girlfriend, she's no longer able to be authentic. And we stop liking yeah. her. Right. So, right. you know, is that good? Is that bad? We want her to be authentic. It also maybe ruined her career no that's not true the people who cast her in those roles yeah, ruined yeah, yeah, her yeah. career yeah yeah mm-hmm. they people weren't letting her be authentic Correct. i think they weren't allowing her to be authentic in the way she was able to be authentic in um you know me and my dad's new wife <laughs> right and who knows if in a different climate and culture that she wouldn't have been able to pull off some of those roles as an actress right. knowing that that wasn't her real life but because she had to almost act like it was her real life. There was so much pressure well, on her. That's an interesting point, Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're talking about acting here. We're talking about pretending. Would she have been able to bring some authenticity to that role if she could be um, if she could be out, if she didn't have to hide right. who she was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Well, and she's yeah. also still the pressure of still being the breadwinner. I mean, at this point, she's 20, so okay. I don't know what the financial situation was then. But you know what's interesting, though, is after she went back and finished that movie, and so now we're like 1985. Mm-hmm. She just left Hollywood. And she actually, her best friend at the time was Giuseppe, Giuseppe Franco, who's a hairstylist who ran a very successful salon. Actually, a lot of people rumored they were together, but they, okay. to this day, best, I, mean, I mean, the documentary I watched was um, several years old. Okay. So I'm assuming, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's still alive because they're still best friends. But she, um, she left Hollywood. She went to cosmetology school and went to work in her best friend, Giuseppe Franco's salon. Really? And yes. not only that, she became a real estate appraiser. Oh my God, <laughs> good for and her. people, exactly. And everybody said she was committing career suicide. I found this incredibly um, insightful article that someone, that a, a journalist wrote, and it was written in the sense that he was meeting her for the interview at a restaurant. So he's kind of talking about what she's also doing while they're having the interview, which I think is really interesting. But in the beginning, he says, um, it's the very first paragraph, he says, when they're in their teens, most girls dream of being movie stars. Christy McNichol dreams of being a hairdresser. I love cutting hair, she says. People say to me, oh, you're crazy. You're too talented to be a hairdresser. I think, hey, hold everything. If I like to cut hair and feel it's fun, then I'm going to do it. Just because I'm special in one area doesn't mean I can't go and pick up scissors and cut people's hair. And I think, wow, I could have this too as a career if I wanted to. That's amazing. Isn't it? I mean, I think crazy. she could have been our role model if we'd known that was what we really we're like, yes, you can be both things. Gosh darn it, Christy. Right. Yeah. And that hair. And that's so, there's yes. such a, uh, a juxtaposition here. We loved that hair. And yet, oh, one of the yes. reasons I liked her is because she didn't appear too worried about her hair, right? She mm-hmm. was just naturally 
have this naturally feathered hair. And yet she's really into hair. Hair. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, what I think is interesting, too, is when she does this, everybody reports that she's committing career suicide. And if you look back, the past several years, all of her movies have tanked. Interesting. So she's not committing yeah. career suicide. She's finally just doing what she kind of wants herself. to do. She's saving herself. Exactly. She and she's having right new here. careers. So who says that career suicide has to be, you know, in front of the camera? Exactly. So she's career? finally being able to be herself. Yeah. We love you, Christy. Yes, Way we to do. go. Mm-hmm. Sorry we didn't recognize it then. <laughs> That's what breaks my heart. <laughs> do we? Well, so when well, did she was off the radar? She was off the radar. So then in 1988, yeah, so 1988, um, Empty Nest, she's 26 years old. And that's kind of her comeback. And actually, um, I forgot the guy's name who did Richard Empty Mulligan. Nest. Richard Mulligan. No, yes. the Oh, producer, you mean the producer. Like the showrunner. He said oh, that yeah. it was such a leap for her because it was a comedy. It was in front of a live studio audience of 200 people. You know, you're having mm-hmm. to memorize 46 pages of script. And she nailed it. And she came and she came in and she worked her butt off. Yeah. And she nailed it. And everyone loved her. I loved her. That I was one of my too. favorite, yeah, I did too. favorite sitcoms of the mm-hmm. time. Loved it. So with Dinah um, Manoff, who is also yes, in what she, was it at one of those after Greece? school specials? Oh. Yes, yeah, she probably, was. Oh, she played Marty in Greece, but she acted with Christy McNichol on <gasps> one of those specials. Right. Or maybe it oh, was the McDonald's awesome. commercial. It's something when they're really, really little. Sorry, oh I have God. no information here. No, that's okay. No, Dead well, so she's successful. So, so uh, Empty Nest was super successful. Mm-hmm. But in 1992, when they were on their Christmas hiatus, she was in Hawaii, Christy McNichol, and she had a near-death scuba accident. Um, she was 30 feet underwater, and her tank, like, she lost her, her tank. Oh, my you God. Know, she, yeah, her air tank ran out. Yeah, oh and it really rattled her, and as it would anyone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But especially with everything she's been going through, and it really made her think about her life. And six months later, oh, she came back. She shot the rest of the season, but everyone said she was just not herself and like oh, super pale all the time. Honey. And she quit. She walked away from Empty Nest, and she had a really lucrative deal, but she left it. And But then three years later, she returned for the finale. So that was a big deal. Do you guys remember when she left? She just was gone the next season. I remember the, the stories. Yeah, I remember yeah, the I remember And everybody stories. was like, what happened? And mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of rumors yeah. about she had a nervous breakdown yep. or she whatever. Mm-hmm. She walked away, but she returned for the finale three years later, and they all love her. So the cast welcomed her back. Oh, and you guys, nice. that was 1995, and it's the last time Christy McNichol was on screen. Wow. So the finale of Empty Nest was the mm-hmm. last time she performed as an actress. And again, she showed us an example of she was willing to, you know, lose this lucrative contract mm-hmm. to take care of herself. Yeah. I mean, she was self-care before it was this buzzword right. that we talk about today. She knew that for her mental health and emotional well-being, mm-hmm. she had to step away. And regardless of what that cost her career-wise, that was the most important thing. And I think, gosh, that's the message we're sending now. But then it was almost seen like, yeah, there had to be some, she had to have had a nervous breakdown. This couldn't have just been her yeah. choice. Who would do uh, such a thing? I mean, right. imagine the pressure she was under, not just from a monetary standpoint, but all of her PR people and her exactly, agent her, and her family, yes. all of these people pressing down on her. And she just listened to herself. herself. And that is something that even nowadays in the age of self-care, that is something that is nearly impossible for mostly mm-hmm. women to do. Listen mm-hmm. to that voice that is telling you this job is not for you. But you know what? She's also really lucky that she listened to herself because look at all of the other child actors and teen actors that they ended, their lives ended. Yeah. Oh, either yeah. at their own hand or via drugs or right. whatever. So stepping away was the smartest and 
that probably saved Maybe her it life. Maybe saved her life. Absolutely. It, yeah, oh, we don't I, know what could have happened doubt. to either her mental health or her financial health for that reason. If she had just tried to gut it out and keep on pushing through, she could have she could have ended in a far more disastrous way. You guys, when did she publicly come out? That's one thing I don't. I, don't I know, know she's. I know she's been happily 2012. with her partner. Okay, oh, 2012. That recently. Wow. Yes, and she had been with her partner 20 years <gasps> at that point. Since her partner's also an actress, right? 92? I think her partner's an actress. Um, it said that she was an aspiring actress and then a television okay. personality. So okay. I don't know if she had been on like a lo- the local news or or something, okay. but. I don't think she has a career in anything like that right now, okay. but I, they're going on 30 plus years. That's awesome. And wow. she just has a quiet life now. And, and yeah. Oh my God. And she's able I to be who she is. And she's authentic once again We're, so that we, she can we, be our girl her. crush once again. I know. I, she's she, so my girl mm-hmm. crush still because yeah, she's just done. I just, I feel I have so much respect for her and everything she went through and the choices she made. That's just really admirable. Mm-hmm. That's not the way I thought the story was going to go. I'm so glad, Michelle. This is all good stuff. Okay, is it time for Carolyn's Rabbit Hole? I love Carolyn's Rabbit Hole. Okay, this is a brand new feature that we have called Carolyn's Rabbit Hole, in which Carolyn very rapidly provides all of the research that she's done that does not fit into the podcast. She is the researcher extraordinaire, way better than me, and I'm a professional librarian. The things that she can find on the internet are extraordinary. She can find anybody's address. I have been (laughs) past many a celebrity's homes because Carolyn was able to find out where they lived. Okay, tell me, tell me when, when to go. Or okay. I should tell you I when am, to go. I will preface with the fact that my rabbit hole junior, uh, Michelle, did steal some of them. Um, <laughs> oh, she sorry. stole some rabbit hole but facts. That's okay. It was a good documentary, yeah. you guys. It was. Okay, I'm going to start. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, well, we know that Christy did become a hairdresser. I want to let you know that she graduated from the California College of Hair Design, and she worked along her best friend, Giuseppe Franco, in his hair studio for a while. Uh, It is really fun to follow Christy and Jimmy on their Facebook page, you guys. They put videos and family photos up, and it's like real time, so you can see what they're doing now, and they're fun and cute and everything like that. And you know I love Jimmy McNichol. And did you know that he fathered a child when he was 18 and he didn't find out about her till he was 40 when she called him and then she got too nervous and she hung up the phone. (laughs) But he called her back to say, this number just called me. And she had to tell him that she that he was her father and they did a DNA test. And sure enough, and her name is Kelly Mays and she's a rapper and a um, songwriter right now. And they have a good relationship. So that's great. Um, Of course, family. We've already talked about it, but here are some fun family facts for you. You may not know James Broderick, who played Buddy's father on the show, is actually the father of Matthew Broderick. Wait, what? Cheryl Ladd also won. Oh my God, I did not know that. I'm sorry. Also almost won. So Cheryl Ladd was almost Nancy, but that eventually went to, as we know, Meredith Baxter Bernie, who went on to star in Bridget Loves Bernie, and then on as Elise Keaton in Family Ties. Interestingly enough, Michael J. Fox had one of his earliest TV appearances on Family, where he played a 14-year-old who fell in love with mom, Kate Lawrence. Family almost had a 1988 reunion special, but sadly it was Nick's because that was during the writer's strike. So they didn't ever have the 1988 um, reunion special. Also, I think it's interesting that Meredith Baxter Burney and Christy McNichol both came out as uh, lesbians later <gasps> on, and uh-huh. they both, um, which was kind of news for both of them, I and they that. were both in that show together. So I wonder if they ever had conversations um, 
together or I anything I didn't pick like up that. on Meredith Baxter Burney. Yes, yes. I had a funny uh, fact about Jimmy McNichol. Did you guys know that he was cast on Little House on the Prairie? But before they filmed his episode, they had to write him out because he goofed around on set too much. <laughs> he was naughty. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. a naughty. And then I think I that's when that. he went to the Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He goofed yes. around. So they were like, sorry, your role's cut. You guys, I think we need to add Christy McNichol to the 70s Girlhood Hall of Fame, don't you? I mean, oh, seriously, absolutely. right alongside Sean Cassidy and Donny Osmond and Andy Gibb, because she inspired a mushy feeling inside our little hearts that was really not that different from these other first crush experiences, right? And for that, right. Christy McNichol, we thank you. And thank you to everyone listening today. We hope you heard something that made you happy. And join us next time for a series of dramatic readings from our favorite Scholastic Book Order purchase, Dynamite Magazine. And we hope you'll find us on social media and tell us your Christy McNichol memories. Search for us at Pop Culture Preservation Society, where we have a lot of fun chatting about all our memories with our society members. And if you enjoy our conversations, please subscribe where you listen. Leave a review and click those stars. Every time you do, the algorithm kicks us up a notch and more people get to see who we are. And let us know if you do so we can thank you because we appreciate your support so so, so much. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Courtesy of Jack Tripper and the whole gang at the Regal Beagle. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song